Buddy Holly had been dead for 35 years by the time Weezer exploded onto MTV in 1994. They were a simple, charming band. They asked the simple questions such as, what's with these homies dissing my girl, and the appropriate follow-up, why do they got a front? Weezer's Blue Album packed 10 songs into 41 minutes, each one striking a different chord with a generation of misled youth down a rabbit hole of crowded iceboxes, Mary Tyler Moore, and metaphorical sweaters. No one seemed to know where Weezer came from, but they had arrived in a big way. They had become impossible to ignore. The band had become a global sensation and had bridged the gap between geek chic and rock stars in a way that no band before them had ever been able to do. Their follow-up, Pinkerton, which was self-produced by the band, smashed the Coke bottle glasses that singer Rivers Cuomo had proudly displayed throughout the imaging of the Blue Album. In the gap between Blue and Pinkerton, Cuomo had enrolled in Harvard, undergone a surgery to extend his left leg, and had tried and failed to write a space fiction rock opera entitled Songs from the Black Hole. Cuomo's personal turmoil, mixed with the band's struggle to celebrate their newfound celebrity status, led us to Pinkerton. Jaunty tunes about going steady had been replaced by harsh sexual overtones and extreme fetishes. Youthful hopelessness had been ushered out by bleak nihilism. Pinkerton was not an album for the jocks that liked the playful music videos. Pinkerton was, and still is, an album for the sexually frustrated. Pinkerton is an album for 20-somethings that don't know how they got to where they are, but they know they don't want to end up there. Pinkerton is an art school album. And it is good to be here, episode one of Art School Albums. My name is Case Lowe, and I am joined at this time by a man who somehow, someway, prides himself on being the biggest Weezer fan I know. I'm in the booth with Jake Klingensmith today. Jake, how are you? I'm doing great. Hey, I, get that microphone right up to your face. There go. There right up go. here. Hi, yeah. I'm doing great. I uh, like that your description of Pinkerton is that it was basically the first incel album. It, it In 20 years, and we're going to talk about just the way this album holds up and the way it was received. 25 years after the fact, it's got some incel overtones it to really it. It really does. It's a beautiful in a way, but frightening in another way. It is. It, it for sure is. It's, yeah. So, Weezer. Yes. Yeah, you got really excited there. You're like, oh, Weezer, what are we talking about? <laughs> Weezer, yes. Yes, of course. Okay. A band that mm-hmm. has arguably overstayed its welcome. Oh, no. At the very least, here's the thing. They come <laughs> out and certainly <laughs> outlasted everyone of <laughs> that's, their era. That's the thing, is they come out in 94, yes. and it's like, who are these dorks, whatever, they've got some fun songs. And now... We're in 2019, and they're arguably the biggest modern rock band in the world still? So weird, right? I mean, and that doesn't mean as much as it did in 1994, but still weird that they're... (laughs) So, your Weezer fandom, give me a timeline, where does it start? Yeah, okay, well, like a lot of people our age, I remembered Beverly Hills coming out just because it was a huge hit, and, uh, you know, liked it, whatever. I really didn't get into... Weezer was a band until I was about a sophomore in high school. And what was going on then? Well, no, I, nothing was going on. I just, I, uh, well, I mean, we're not going to get into it, but we... <laughs> no, no, that's not, that's not a provoking question. What was sophomore year of high school Jake like? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm not asking for intimate personal details. <laughs> well, the way you said it was like, what would drive you to such a low as to listen to Weezer? No. <laughs> that was the subtext behind what I was asking, but yes. Sophomore year of high school, let me think. What was sophomore year Jake up to? I was, hey, I was the vice president of my class. You're super cool. Right? That's still cool to talk Always about. Always a politician you are. <laughs> Sophomore year, Jake was, um, 
let's think about this. So I was sort of in between friend groups, I would say, which it was strange because I had a friend group made up largely of uh, the guys I played football with in middle school. And that group kind of fractured for a couple of years, which is interesting because now they're actually my very good friends again. But there were a couple of years there where we all sort of went off uh, on our own path. And there was never any bad blood, but we all just sort of went down a different little... There was like a two-year span, sophomore year to junior year, where some of my friends who were on the football team sort of dug themselves deeper into that life. I kind of receded. I started uh, being on my high school radio station. I would... I would help out with like the school shows and stuff. Uh, I was on the morning show. I was the producer for the morning show, okay, and I okay. was writing for the newspaper. And, and then I had friends like doing photography in that class. So we all just sort of you stopped of, being cool, is what you're saying. Yeah, no, I really did. I actually stopped being cool. Yeah, and that led you to like this panel, Weezer. Oh my <laughs> god, what are they? Kinda. So for sure. Weezer. So you hear Beverly Hills, yeah. which I mean that was ever. I mean that was played that's, on like Radio Disney. Yeah, and I mean huge. that was everything sellouts <laughs> I, pathetic I, I actually like beverly hills oh, of course you do there's we'll, nothing wrong with it we'll, we'll do a nine-part weezer podcast at some point <laughs> dissecting what's wrong with jake's takes i think maybe you should just turn this into a weezer podcast and i'm the guest every week <laughs> i think that's a horrible idea that also already exists i know i know um but so so what's your post beverly hills experience like do yeah. you hear do you hear blue album exactly. okay it's yeah blue album it's it's i hear from like 90s music purists that Weezer was awesome, and they had these two incredible albums. There's Blue Album first, and then two years later, there's Pinkerton. And my experience actually was listened to Blue Album all the way through, thought it was awesome, really liked it, obviously. Like, yeah, who doesn't like the Blue Album? Yeah. And listened to Pinkerton, it couldn't get into it. Really? Right. The first time I heard Pinkerton, I didn't quite get it. And I think I had the same reaction that a lot of... Uh, a lot of like critics and fans at the time had when they heard Pinkerton. They were like, "Why isn't this like the Blue Album?" Yeah. Uh, and I, but I do remember listening to Across the Sea and thinking it slapped. Okay, for well, sure. We're gonna about that song later because I've got some opinions on Across the Sea that <laughs> well, you know I, I think they're gonna upset you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. But so, so you hear Blue Album, which I, for me it's the same thing because I think like My Name Is Jonas had been mm-hmm. in like a Guitar Hero, I think. <laughs> yeah. And I Buddy, think rock band. yeah, yeah, Buddy Holly was in one, so. I had known who they were, and at that point, you know, I was into that type of music, I think, more than anything of just, yeah. like, 90s alternative mainstream, yeah. whatever. That was just what I liked. Pop, grungy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in 1994, the Blue Album fits with, I think, the current musical aesthetic of the time. Totally. You're kind of post-Nirvana, Green Day hits really big, and yeah. it's there's a power pop punk mm-hmm. element to a lot of stuff. So Blue Album fit out at the time, and then, I mean, you know, 1994 to 2019 those songs still hold up every they, single they one really of them do. it's incredible i would i would say the blue album is my favorite album of all time of any band of any band interesting it's blue album okay um, all right good to know and uh yeah i think it's totally the thing of honestly the blue album is just 10 songs with pretty standard pop structure but just the crunchiest guitars over it my name is Do you find with the rest of the bands you listen to, which you can name mm-hmm. a few if you know, if you want to just give, you know, similar arts that you like, do you think Weezer is an outlier in what you're listening to, or did they hmm. kind of set the tone for things you eventually got into? They set the tone in some ways. There's some things Weezer does that I, I really like uh, in other bands. I love Car Seat Headrest for kind of a similar reason. I think they have some crunchy guitars that 
uh, are really roaring and, and anthemic, which is like it's that's exactly what I like about Weezer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it doesn't uh, define my music taste. I like I like Kanye West quite a bit. I've heard. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot <laughs> off mic about your obsession with Kanye West. Calling it a possession. No, it's an obsession. I don't own Yeezys. He's well. <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> I couldn't do that. Walking down the street, I would look like such a fool. Jake Cleggett <laughs> looks like. I mean, he looks like the biggest fool, anyways, with his with his GD Boston sports gear on all the time. If you add a pair of Yeezys to that, I'm gonna have to kick your ass. Mm. Do you think I could beat you in a fight? No. Interesting. Do you actually think you could? I think it'd be close. I don't think it would be even a little close. How tall are you? I'm a shade under 6'1". Okay, so I'm 6'2". That means nothing. I'm 215 more fat than muscle, but 215. You have the spirit of a crying little child. I have the spirit of a warrior. Moving on. Okay, whatever. Whatever. (laughs) We can't get hung up on this, but I think that's outlandish. (laughs) I think we're going to come back to it at some point. (laughs) This is, by the way... Exactly. What, if, if someone was like, what do you think a podcast about two white guys talking about Weezer is within five minutes? I'm like, I can beat you in a fight. <laughs> it is a little on the nose that, you know, we're doing the show called Art School Albums where I, I just want to dive into these albums that, for whatever reason, mean mm-hmm. something to a certain group of people. And I yeah. think Pinkerton is one of those. It sure is. But... It's a little on the nose, I feel like, especially if you know me personally. It's just like, oh, of course. Of course this is what Case is spending his free time doing. And it's, you know, we are two straight white guys who at some point are going to get into some themes on this album that are interesting, to say the least. And I I think Jake and I, why I want to have Jake on first, first of all, he's a good friend, whatever, whatever. But also... I, we're self-aware enough, and I think this podcast, I think the beauty of this is that we know what this is. We're not trying to be intellectuals. It's just these albums do mean something to us, and for whatever reason, they've struck an accord with mm-hmm. us that matters to a point that we want to come on and talk about this sort of stuff. So Weezer at this point, I mean, they've been around for so long. They have so many different albums, commercial successes, yeah. uh, critical successes, commercial flops, yep. critical flops. Which, by the way, Pinkerton was both of those, a commercial and critical flop at the time. So that's part of what I want to talk about here is, you know, again, I was very into Weezer just because that was the music I liked. But I only knew the Blue Album stuff and then the later, you know, I think Island of the Sun, which we will not be discussing the Green Album on this podcast because Island of the Sun has become an anthem for, dare I say, the basic women of the world? No comment. But... <laughs> I think it is. Jake is shaking in his boots over there. He does Dude. not want to upset the basic women of the world. <laughs> Dude, uh, to your credit, I think it is their most played song on Spotify, is Island in the Sun. Yeah, it's just, and that's just a weird one because the rest of that album, it's like there's not a ton there. I mean, there's some good songs, but it's not like, it's weird that that song to me has stuck out as the one. Everyone who talks about the Green Album, who's a Weezer fan, makes the same exact point, but I'll just reiterate it for anyone who doesn't know. The Green Album is... They're all, all the songs are roughly the same length and the guitar solos are just the melodies. Yeah. And there's nothing very experimental on it. And Rivers Cuomo uh, said he based it off Hard Day's Night because he said he listened to the Beatles album Hard Day's Night and loved, and the quote is something ridiculous. Like, I loved how the songs were about nothing. (laughs) Thanks, Rivers. That's real (laughs) insightful. (laughs) So that's the thing is that I, I obviously liked the band or at least liked the idea of the band. I went through a big pork and beans phase at one point Heck where I yeah. was like, yo, this pork and beans song, just on another level. It's sti- I, honestly, I think Good it's song. in their top 10 songs. 
Maybe. It's yeah. first, I think it's their best non ninety uh, song. I would agree with that. Yeah. I think that's fair. But I had never heard Pinkerton until last year. Yeah. Um, and I listened to a fair amount of the Blue Album. And I, I really like that album. But I had never heard Pinkerton except for El Scorcho because mm-hmm. that was kind of a that was kind of a hit, or at least it became one later on in the algorithmic world yeah. to where El Scorcho had popped up on my feed enough mm-hmm. to where I gave it a listen. But I had always known Pinkerton as the bad album. And I think a lot of that comes from, again, just at the time of when I was discovering them, it was kind of right before the Pinkerton resurgence. I think Mm -hmm. it had been before the album was reissued. So it's not like I was reading Pitchfork when I first got into Weezer, but there also weren't 10 out of 10 Pinkerton reviews out there. (laughs) And then like I knew it as it was the album that Rolling Stone voted the third worst of the year in 1996. It's insane in hindsight. And they've luckily you know, gone back and yeah. fixed such an error. But I had never listened to it. And it, and I just wonder, because you are much more in tune with the discography than I am. Yeah. Do you, does Pinkerton stand out as just this album on an island? Or does it fit in with the rest of what, it, does, does that make sense of yeah. just like, where does Pinkerton fit in with their entire collection? Pinkerton, I think the best way to put it in the context of their other albums is it is the album for the rest of their career the one that every new release will be immediately compared to in that you see it all the time when they put on a new song, people will either say, man, this is, I just want them to go back to making stuff like Pinkerton or it'll be, this is great. It sounds just like Pinkerton, even if it doesn't really, or they'll be like (laughs) that little moment, man, that could have been right out of Pinkerton. Like I remember there's a song on the white album called, uh, do you want to get high? And, and when that came out, it was a huge wave of, Oh my God, it could, that song could be on Pinkerton. (laughs) And people were so excited. So, I think that's how I'm going to start comparing music just in the future. Just like, oh my God, this this song, I mean, this could be on Pinkerton. Is it by Weezer? No, but it sounds like it could be on Pinkerton. Well, that's, and so that is, I think when you say it's, if, is it an island in their discography? It is very unique in that it's the album that all their other albums will be compared to. Uh, in terms of what the, the coldest take in the Weezer fandom is Blue and Pinkerton are their two best. They have some other good ones, but those are the two best. And the order one or two is it's probably fifty fifty in, okay. in how you uh, and you and you prefer blue. I do prefer blue. I there was a time when I I liked Pinkerton better, and I totally understand why someone would would say Pinkerton's better. I think you could even argue it's better compositionally. Yeah. But but then I, you had sex and you're like, no, I like the blue album more. I'm no longer I'm no longer into incel culture. <laughs> you know, now that I think about it, Surf Wax America is a pretty good song. There's just something about, you know, I love Pinkerton, but I for sure don't put it on all the time. Whereas I could put on the blue album most days. Yeah. And it's just you could put it on in a room full of people and people will be into it. That's a little harder with Pinkerton. Well, yeah, in your own words, I mean, why is Pinkerton something that you wouldn't maybe put on all the time? Because I think that is what we're getting at here with this podcast as a whole is Blue might even be the better album. And more people know Blue and it's critically more acclaimed and successful. But there's something about Pinkerton. It's like, you know, it's one yeah. thing. It, it's one thing if you go into a dorm room and mm-hmm. you see that they have blue on vinyl. Like, that's great. Yeah. But if they've got Pinkerton, there's a story there. I think Pinkerton means more to the people who love it than the people who love blue. I think oh. there's a lot of people who love blue who their reasoning is, oh, yeah, I was in high school or whatever. And, man, that Buddy Holly music video is so fun. And yeah. it's an incredible source of nostalgia. And, and also the music's great. Yeah. But I think the people that really latched onto Pinkerton, it means something deep in their bones to them. 
Well, and I think it, it maybe even does for the band, too. And it did for me. For, yeah. for Honestly, in high yeah. school, there were times where it's such a... I think it's a huge high school album. It's Interesting. A, and, and, a, and like you said, an art school album, yeah. for sure. Because I got into it my sophomore year of yeah. college. I had never heard it in high school other than El Scorcho. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is a... We'll get into it. But that, that song almost doesn't even fit in on the album. It's <laughs> just so... It's such a strange song. And when you think about commercially... Again, we're coming off of Buddy Holly, which is this tight two minute forty five second. Yeah. Just like it's so simple and perfect. And then the lead single off the next album yeah. is that is I El know. Scorcho Madness, which I think it was in direct response to that because I don't know if you know that story, but Rivers Cuomo did not want Buddy Holly on the Blue album. Oh, I did not. Yeah, he thought it was like just cheesy and goofy and didn't say anything. And I guess all of the. Uh, all of the technicians in the studio were like, you have to put yeah. that on the air. I mean, it makes sense. It's like the catchiest song ever. Yeah. So I didn't I, know that because that's similar to uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit with Nirvana. Was yeah. Kurt didn't want that on the album uh, on Nevermind because he thought it was a Pixies ripoff. Mm-hmm. And then that comes out and it changes, you know, the music world as we know it. Yeah. But that's that's interesting. And I, I, wonder that, I, I wonder if that's musician specific or if there are other professions that have to deal with that. I mean... Not to tutor on horns, but Jake and I are a couple of aspiring comedians in the Chicago area. And if you're listening, you can book us. We are available. <laughs> but, like, it, I don't know of any comedian that's ever been like, man, I've got this joke that kills, but, like, it might be too mainstream. Like, I don't think that's, like, <laughs> an issue. It, honestly, maybe that is something I would say. <laughs> yeah, that you, it's too funny. I don't want, it's too this funny. I don't want to touch friends. it. Yeah. <laughs> this sick Taco Bell joke no, I've you, got. <laughs> you do make a good, you do make a good point. Not, not necessarily in that, I, I, I if there, you did hear a comedian, it would be, oh, this is hack. It wouldn't okay, be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it wouldn't be like, this is just too funny. Everyone's going to like it too much. I'm not going to, like, that is so true. <laughs> so, Let's figure out how we got to Pinkerton before we hear it. So like we've talked yeah. about, you know, 1994, Weezer's Bloom is a, a huge hit. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they tour globally. Still their best-selling album. Still their best-selling album, which yeah. does not surprise me given what's come next. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, By the way, did you know Pinkerton went platinum 20 years after it came out? That's incel in culture at its finest. I, <laughs> like, you know, I was reading this Pitchfork review. I had to go down to my local record store and check this thing out. I was listening to uh, <laughs> Anthony Fantano, Rob Palinka <laughs> talk about how into the Joker Kobe was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love hoops here on our school albums. Plenty of basketball talk later to come. So, again, huge band. And then. Do you think Rivers Cuomo's ever shot a basketball? <laughs> That's like, that's because like my, my dream interview is Morrissey. And one of the questions I want to ask Morrissey is, Morrissey, do you want a pair of basketball shorts? Like, do you go to the gym? Because I, I, now that I think about it, like, and has he shot a basketball when past the age of eight? Yeah, exactly. No, because it doesn't count if it was like gym class or whatever. I want to know if Rivers Cuomo has ever been like outside with his brother or his friend as a child. And they were like, hey, do you want to just shoot hoops for a little bit? I don't think it happened. (laughs) No. And like. He might have been there when people were shooting hoops, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the like Rivers, like, hey, pass me the rock. I don't think that's happening. Have you ever seen photos of him as a kid? No. He was a straight up metalhead. His hair was like down to his his. Dude, I would have kicked Rivers' ass. <laughs> now that I think about it, I think I would have beat him up if we grew up together. This toxic masculinity is too much. <laughs> so they they kind of put blue in the rear view, and a few yes. things happen. You know, River enrolls in harvard is that correct uh yeah he does in between blue and pinkerton yeah he 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 didn't finish it his time there he he returned after pinkerton as well and i think he finally graduated in like 2007 or something but he spent 
a good chunk of time at Harvard in between Blue and Pinkerton. Yeah, so he's there. Um, he's recovering from a surgery to extend his yeah. left leg, which he gets into on the good life. Mm-hmm. But is that that was just a birth defect he had, right? Where he just his legs weren't the same size. Yeah, it was. Um, he I've heard him tell a story where he actually, when he was a kid, wanted to be a professional soccer player. Okay. And at a certain point, he said, "This is I shouldn't know as much about Rivers Cuovo as I no, do." No, it's okay. It's okay. At a certain point, I I he he said his, so. His dad wasn't around when he was a kid, yeah. which is uh, what "Say It Ain't So" is about. Okay. But um. He, uh, his dad left, and he—I guess he had like—he knew his dad loved soccer, and he said he idolized everything about his dad, who wasn't around. So he got it in his head he wanted to be a pro soccer player, and at a certain point, he had to quit all professional sport, all, all sports. I guess this answers my question. He, yeah, he, he kind of did was into soccer, but I don't think. But that doesn't equate to all, shooting a basketball. He had to quit all every sport he was playing, which I think was just soccer because his legs were a different length, and he couldn't. Uh, he couldn't play anymore, and he and he said that all that free time is what led him to focus on music, play guitar. That's crazy. So he does that, and then on top of all that, so he's enriched himself in Harvard culture mm-hmm. to an extent, which it's just it's like that makes me laugh. Just given yeah. where I go to school, of just like it's all just like aspiring artists, whatever. But like the idea of just like it's Harvard, mm-hmm. and you know now it's like oh you've got like one of the Obama daughters in your class or something, or then yeah. it's just like oh. Didn't I see you on MTV? Like, aren't you that guy from, like, the Buddy Holly music video? He's just, like, in your class. Well, a very famous story is that part of what inspired Pinkerton is that he showed up at Harvard and he would see students wearing Weezer t-shirts and not recognize him. And he thought they were all, like, phony fans. (laughs) That's true. In an era with no social media. Yeah, I know. How are they supposed to know what... He doesn't look like how he looks in the Buddy Holly video. This dude's not wearing, like, a padded sport coat. It can't be Rivers Cuomo. (laughs) And then, like, in the Sweater Song music video, which is also off blue, like, his his hair's in front of his face. Like, you can barely see who he is. That's the very first Weezer single. Yes. And, yeah, his hair used to be really, really long. Yeah. So yeah, that's dumb. That's that's <laughs> Why are you upsetting. I just that's upsetting. So <laughs> on top of that, he's working on and I hate these words by themselves, but I hate them especially when they're combined together, a science fiction rock opera. Yes. So songs from the black hole. Yes. What do you know about that? Well, some of the songs on Pinkerton were originally written for yes. songs from the black hole, including the first track. I don't know if that's was a that, good segue. Was that a transition? I I, hey, hey, hey. Who's hosting this show here? All right. Is this Arts Collabs with Jake Klingensmith? Or is this Arts Collabs with Case Low? All right. I think it's the latter. All right. The first track is from that, uh, yeah. that abandoned project. But, so, yeah. yeah. No, so we'll hear a little bit of that now. So we hear that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no wonder this album wasn't a hit. Yeah. He, well, he goes from just again, it's these jaunty pop hits on MTV and just like accessible, yeah. fun-loving. And you think about and, how the blue album starts with the little. Yeah. Just what it's like fun-loving. My name is Jonas. So 
let's say you again you're just in the blue you don't know exactly what's going on you just you pop into your local record store in you know september mm-hmm. of 1996 or whatever and, oh my god i like that band weezer yeah. let's put this on and the band had complained you know after the blue album came out that you know all of a sudden their crowds had changed and it was a lot more alpha and there were a lot more jocks in the crowd because <laughs> they saw what you know they saw them on mtv they were a big band <laughs> truly are an incel band <laughs> All these chads at the show. We want nerds like but, us. Again, the first song of the album is called "Tired of Sex," yeah. and it's got this feedback in it, and it's just. I think like all the almost every song on the album starts with a little like, and it's good. I think yeah, more I know, music really should do that. First of all, I hate when people mock guitar <laughs> feedback at the start of songs because it's actually good, but it's just one of those where it all puts everything in the perspective now of like, yes, this is like. Uh, uh, sonically, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. But of course nobody was into this. Well, that's the reaction I had when I heard it in high school. I was like, this is weird. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's just, and again, it, you know, it goes on. And this was, a, you know, they, uh, they produced the first album with uh, Rick from The Cars, who just recently passed yeah, away. Rick yes. Rest so, in peace. Rest in peace. Pour one out for him. Uh, but they self-produced this one just to get a more live, yes. raw sound. And you can hear it immediately. I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds nothing like what was on the Blue Album. No, no, they did live recordings of takes and stuff where yeah. the whole band was in the room, which was very different from uh, from the Blue Album. I like that. I like the energy on this from yeah, the start. I mean, it's, awesome. it's it's something that I would very much be into and was when I put this on because I had just heard El Scorcho, which, you know, begins with a... And then yeah, it's like... this Matt a, Sharp going, El Scorcho! Yes, something like that, yeah. exactly. But it's, you know, this acoustic, just kind of slow-tempo track... This I'm into, just from yeah. my musical background. I'm just like, okay, right, here's some guitar feedback. I like that. <laughs> and then from there, it goes into an awkward, you know, misanthropic type, you know, sexual displeasure deal. And that thing, is, by the way, just like a quick note on that song, um, that, uh, that I don't know even what you would call that noise or what it is, but that like, doo, 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 yeah. doo. I think th- that is where you most notice, notice uh that Matt Sharp is still in the band at this point. Yeah, Matt Sharp, the bassist, who left after this album. After this album. And uh, made Weezer worse for it. I think there's a, 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 a large camp of pro-Matt Sharp, or at least, you know, Matt Sharp is really what made Weezer as compared to... No, Weezer is a Rivers band, and it's a Rivers yeah. project, and that's kind of what makes it. And here... Throughout the entire album, with the way it's mixed, the bass is very present, and it Matt is. Sharp is obviously included in creative decisions or whatever it may be. Weezer died when Matt Sharp left. Weezer didn't start until Scott Schreiner got there. Oh, you trying to die. So this is, I, by the <laughs> way, separate point, I don't know what I would do if I saw River Cuomo in public. I don't know what I would, how I would react or what I would say. Are you an autograph guy or a picture guy? I, get, I like, hate that I'm a picture guy, but I'm kind but of But I think that's better guy. than an autograph. I think autographs are weird. Yeah, I've never had any desire to get anybody's autograph. And I think part yeah. of it now is just cameras are so present yeah. that it's like, yeah, you can just take a picture, but like, hey, Mr. Cuomo, I'm a huge fan. Can you sign my Panera napkin, please? <laughs> like, I don't know what that would do. And it was just like, hey, man. Because I, I think you have to be apologetic about it. And about, yeah. Hey, man, I'm sorry to do this to you, but Pinkerton changed my fucking life. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm going through some stuff right now. Can, can I get a picture? I know. Are we allowed to swear? Oh, we're allowed to swear, bro. Okay. Yeah, no, we're on the, we're on the podcast airwaves. <laughs> this is an FCC regulated. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. I, uh, I also just think a, a picture is its own weird, different type of, like, embarrassing for both parties. And it's, like, in a weird way, it's almost like using the person you look up to as, like, 
a prop for your photo, Good. especially to post and it. And you should put celebrities in that elevated status. It's worked out for me many times where I've idolized celebrities and then obviously nothing yeah, bad no. comes out about them in a New York Times article yeah, or something. No, culture is for sure your friend. And... Always. Yeah, and always the most creative people you know are always good people. And I think that's something we've learned over the past few years is that that really holds up. It's really funny that like with Rivers Cuomo, my uh, my debate with him isn't even like, oh man, he's so he did something so bad. Can I be a fan? It's just like, God, he's he's kind of a nerd. <laughs> he's kind of a nerd. Rivers, I love you. If, you're, <laughs> if you ever listen to this, which he is, and he's probably going to listen to this. He's probably going to get flooded with good memories. This is track two. This oh, is get you off of Pinkerton. <laughs> So I love this song. I think Get You's great. I think it's the kind of music that I like. And it's just got this energy to it that, and again, it's so sonically different from the Blue Album, Mm -hmm. where, again, if I'm Middle America, just whatever. (laughs) I'm Middle America. I'm Middle America. I'm Joe the Plumber, and I love (laughs) Weezer. But it would be one of those where, again, I'm still not super into it, I don't think, if I'm just a Blue Album, just MTV, like whatever. But this is the type of music that I like. So two tracks in... I'm like this is this is different, yeah. but I'm on board with it, and I I think this song is just interesting, just in the way it's produced. I really like everything about this. Yes, I will say I like this song. There is not a single song on this album I don't like. I don't skip a track when I listen to it. Yikes! But it's probably my least favorite on the album. Really? Yeah, I've got a least favorite, but it's uh, it's not this one. It's also not the next one coming up. No other one. Track three off Pinkerton. Okay, I love this one. Other one, I don't think there's a, a, a song this sad on Blue, mm. and we're three tracks yeah, deep. Yeah, and it's not even, I think maybe Blue, you could say Say It Ain't So is a little sad. Yeah. And, and maybe Undone, sadder than people realize. A strange song. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. Um, okay. I don't think it holds up. Oh my god, it's all, the end of Undone. We're not, hey, this ain't Blue. Yeah, hey, 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 hey. None, none of that normie stuff. <laughs> we're talking about Pinkerton right now. Settle down. No other one, by the way, is, has like such a classic Rivers Cuomo line in it, which is... All of the jokes she does scare me real good. That is like a quintessential Pinkerton line to me. Yeah, completely. And it's just, again... <laughs> 
all I could think about is I was because I I mean it's becoming out the first time I listened to it and I texted you about it. You were you know mm-hmm. you're my go to Weezer source. I um, sure am. Completely and and will always and forever. You're my always and forever for <laughs> Weezer. Um, but it was just so startling to me that these songs were the way they were. And as I was listening to it for this show, I yeah. listened to it a few times this week. Me too. It was just like, oh man, there's no there's no way. That like I or I guess any mystery that I had about why this album had flopped the way it did, yeah, no, it makes it was sense. put into perspective yeah. of just like no, of course, but at the same time, it does speak to me even now. Maybe yeah. not in a in an incel way, at least hopefully not. But just like <laughs> there are there are themes in this album <laughs> that at the very least are discussed that I resonate. And and I think the music is produced in a way that is important, and I think it speaks to a large group of people, even if it's not that MTV mass audience. Yeah, I think, and the fact, so, Rivers Cuomo put out this album, and everything on it is so confessional, and it's really, really personal to him. He was very clear even before it came out that this was, like, the most personal thing he'd ever put out. Yeah. And I think the, the reaction it got has dictated the rest of his career and that he seems to be obsessed with finding a way to put out meaningful music that people really like and is popular and also doesn't say anything about him. I think the way people received this album was really scarring to him. Yeah, well, I mean, completely, because it's it's almost like a one-man show in a sense that he's just taking you through this very specific point in his life and... You know, it's to a larger audience than any one man show is yeah. ever going to be. Sorry, off Broadway performers, that's just the way it is. <laughs> and it was, it was just reach. That's a heavy shot at Mike Birbiglia, yeah, circa 2011. <laughs> he's still doing it. Actually, he's on Broadway now. Oh, good for him. Yeah, good for Mike. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller, Mike Birbiglia. But just, of course, like I, this would be scarring for me. And I'm someone that like I like putting myself out there, and I like having my own stories to tell. Mm. But I if. 50 million people reject it i'm gonna be yeah, scarred it's, from it's, it it's different than if the blue album had flopped that's like i mean there's some personal tracks on there but yeah. I, I can't imagine like i mean i'd be i'd be super upset if i put out an album and people didn't like it but you'd be bummed time, <laughs> if people ima- didn't like your work <laughs> i can't imagine someone being like my name is jonas sucks is as devastating as hearing across the sea sucks yes completely yeah So that's track four. That's Why Bother. Love it. This, oh, my God. That's so good. I love it. It's one of my favorites. This is really good. And you would know more than me, I think, just because you're such a Weezer nerd. But I, I am someone that cares about set lists. And I'm curious just yeah. always what's in live acts. Is this something they play live or have played oh, live often? Man. No. No. You would, a Weezer show feels like a Spotify playlist of like the, the must-listen Weezer songs. They'll play... They'll play all their hits. Yeah. So, and honestly, it's not a bad show. It's really fun. Okay. But they'll play all. They'll play uh, Beverly Hills, Pork and Beans, um, Buddy Holly. Yeah. I've seen them close with Buddy. I've seen them like three times. Okay. I've cool. seen Buddy. Cool Holly. They've closed with Buddy Holly twice, I think. Yeah. Uh, say, Which is fair. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I've really only ever heard them play a couple of Pinkerton songs, That's and a crazy couple of them were uh, even. 
and also i saw big venues there they break out these songs more in in smaller venues they'll yeah. play but you know what was crazy what's up because everyone always talks about how formulaic the weezer like set list is because yes. at the big venues they'll play beverly hills pork and beans all those songs and then the small ones they'll play like pinkerton b-sides like uh long time sunshine yeah jamie from the blue album uh deluxe edition they did a show at Madison Square Garden, and they played "You Gave Your Love to Me Softly." Oh, that that is a song that is <laughs> technically not on the album proper. Yeah, but we're gonna talk about "You Gave Your Love to Me Softly" <laughs> because that that right there is a song. It's crazy, and they, but they did it at Madison Square Garden, and I just can't imagine being at that show, being like, "This will be fun," but you know, they're not. They're gonna do the the standards, yeah. and then hearing them break out, "You Gave Your Love to Me Softly." Is That's insane, fantastic. No, but why bother is great. I love really, why really high energy at a point that it needed it. Yeah, and, you're and right. Actually, just just catchy, just fun, but it still falls under that like misanthropic, like mm-hmm. it, you know, why bother nihilistic kind of view that is just the antithesis of everything that the first album was. So track five, this would be the end of the A side if you're listening to it on wax. If you're, <laughs> if you're one of those physical media people, this uh, is... This at this point, <laughs> you're going to want to flip that record. Yeah, but not yet, not yet. You got to hear track five oh. first. Yeah, please don't get ahead of yourself. Okay. Across the sea. It's really good. It's really yeah. good. It, but here's the thing. It's also, I mean, we have to talk about. It's the elephant in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rivers Cuomo really into Asian women. And also young Asian women? Yeah, it's weird. And I think, you know, so you put it into context. He was, I think, in his mid-20s. Sure. And he's talking about, uh, in, as in his own words... 18 year old girl who lives in a small city in japan yeah which is based it's based off a real fan letter he got yeah um and i think uh, a lot of people feel like this song doesn't hold up uh very much lyrically which is a fair take i understand Uh, if this is where the album loses you i get it yeah i totally get get it it. too and i'm gonna keep listening i like it i definitely I remember listening to it in high school and actually like listening to the lyrics and thinking, okay, I get it. He's saying that he has these feelings, but he's ashamed of them. That's yeah. kind of the, the genesis of the song. And I remember thinking that was like awesome that he would do that. It really just an ally move from Rivers <laughs> Cuomo. <laughs> and now I am much more sympathetic to the idea that maybe it's a little weird. It's a little weird. I don't that think he it's... Would call such attention to it. And, but... and this will be the first of two, hey, we're straight white guy warnings. Yeah, but course. like, I don't think this song's malicious. I think yeah, it's a little not. strange. People got really upset. I don't know if you know about this. Um, Weezer performed on Tiny Desk Concert. Yes. The NPR show this year. And in the description, 
uh, NPR said something like the lyrics to Across the Sea, they kind of don't, some people think they don't really hold up. Yeah. And the if you look at the comment section on that video, it's it's just everyone being like, why would you diss the band that you invited on your show? Yeah. Classic incel culture. <laughs> <laughs> to defend this song. <laughs> it, seemed, it, it seemed like the overwhelming take, though. Is this your favorite Weezer song? Across the Sea? Yeah. Uh, it probably was at one point. I think my I would say my favorite Weezer song is Only in Dreams. Which is off what album? Blue. It's the last yeah, track Yeah, okay, that's Blue. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It's, it's, like their, it's their longest song, too. How long is it? It's like eight minutes. So I'm glad you brought that up because this is something I was going to bring up. This song's four minutes and 35 it's seconds long. It's long for this album. It's long for this album, which is how it should be. This is something that I think people are going to discover as it's, they listen to yeah, this. It's al- also as, for sure the emotional centerpiece of the album. Too. Yeah, that was really deep. It is. Yeah, no, for sure. What is your deal? No, you nothing. invite me on your show to talk about Oh, stop complaining. No, but if four minutes and 35 seconds, an appropriate length for the longest song yeah. on the record to be. We start off for the album, album yes. three minutes, three minutes, three minutes, two minutes, and then we get a few long songs. We got three, four minutes in a row, but it's stuff that hangs around right around two and a half minutes, yeah. three minutes, whatever. For the most part. It's a very short album. The way music should be. Disagree. I would argue no song should be over five minutes long. I think that's a searing uh, doggy doo-doo take. Smells Like Teen Spirit's five minutes, one second, cut off two seconds. I think that's a perfect song. Um, Imagine thinking that matters. <laughs> I just, uh, music should not be that long, and what I think Pinkerton I think nails it. That's so weird. No. Some songs should be long. But they're they're they become so bloated. Sometimes. Th- this I, I will say this. I mean, this album is a tight album. I mean, everything yeah. really hits this and matters. This album should be short, and it's good short. The songs are good short. There are yeah. some albums that should be long. I, I would rather listen to 10 one-minute songs than one 10-minute song. Just no matter what. No matter what. That's so weird. I don't think so. You'd rather listen to 10 songs that are a minute long by like a soundcloud rapper that you met in one of your classes than one car seat headrest song that people love and yeah you picked the wrong band i would definitely rather do that okay one i don't know you don't know what i like american football song (laughs) american football a band that will be discussed on this podcast at some point oh i'm sure classic which one which album that would be the first one yeah yeah why would you mess around with the other i don't want to hear the Haley williams version i like that song of course you do (laughs) so that's the first side of pinkerton we'll come back in just a second and we will hear tracks six through ten and then we will rank this album and decide whether or not it is an official art school album or not oh wow When you throw the new Weezer disc into the player, expecting the cute 60s-style geek pop that made their debut a worldwide success, you're going to be surprised. Shocked, maybe. The feeling still edges towards geeky pop, but Rivers Cuomo is apparently not feeling like himself these days. Not only is this record not a joyous blast of uplifting rock music, it's a fucking downer at times. Cuomo needs to see a doctor about this depression thing. 7.5 out of 10. Pitchfork.
one of the things that I love about this song is that tease of the chorus right there. It kind of reminds me of like yeah. the first few REM albums where it's like it's this groovy song, and, I, and I, I know I don't know what the chorus is on my first listen, but I know it's gonna explode, and they just tease me with it. I think that's tremendous. Good Life is my favorite song on this album. It's a good pick. It's, it's my favorite Weezer song. I think it's also the most accessible on the album. That's exactly. It's the yeah. perfect mix between Blue and Pinkerton. Yeah, it really is. Because I, it's, I think it could fit on yeah, Blue. Because it's fun. Yeah. I, you know, it's he's kind of forcing himself to have fun. It's <laughs> like a weird like post depression. Like no, I am going out tonight. Do you know what that song's about? Give it to me. It's about uh, after he spent a year in like the hospital because he had his leg surgery and he couldn't really walk or move very much and that's i don't want to be an old man anymore yeah yeah it worked i mean it's again i haven't been through knee surgery i haven't been through any surgery but there is a part of this this one in particular that i think speaks to me of just like no like you have to go yes. out and do something totally agree to to be a fulfilled person i, I think the song rules i like everything about it i like i like the way it sounds sonically i think the mix is great the chorus is great that's yeah. one thing that i think Weezer's at their best when they're delivering these big choruses. And I get so bummed oh, yeah, out sometimes totally when it's agree. just like, and I think that's a bad trend in pop music that I we've kind of seen go away, but it's still there. Like all of a sudden it became really like trendy to have these, like instead of these like choruses that build up, it's like these breakdown choruses. And I point to like Taylor Swift's look what you made me do as like the <laughs> biggest version of that of just like, that didn't really build to anything. Like whatever yeah. it was building to it, like it metaphorically, like it crashed down Man, and it's such a bummer. I completely agree. The thing I love about Weezer is when they have really anthemic, uh, choruses. Yeah. I'm not knocking you. That's a good word. Yeah, choice. I know. I don't need your validation. Okay, good. That's healthy. <laughs> that's really healthy. You know, that's a good way of looking at life <laughs> is to ignore everything I say. <laughs> no, I come, but I totally agree. Even their later stuff, a good Weezer song when it comes out, you can, I feel like I can sing along within the first couple times listening. That's the first single off of Pinkerton. So good. So good. But another one of those of like, that's what you follow up the Blue Album with. And not yeah. to keep bringing that up, but it's just like, it's jarring. Especially this song, because this doesn't even fit in with the rest of the record, really. You don't think? It, no, I mean, I think it gets there. But the second half of the song, when everything kicks into gear, it's like, oh, yeah, this, I mean, this 
you know, sounds like get you or, you know, across yeah. sea, whatever. But it, it takes a while to get going. Uh, the way it does fit in, once again, Japanese girls opening line no, this I album. Yeah. Goddamn, you half Japanese girls. So weird. So weird. Also, weirdly specific, once it's again. Not, and, like, it's not... I'm not trying to kink shame Rivers Cuomo, Here we but go. I don't want to hear what he's... I don't want to hear any fetish he has. That would be an interesting concept album of just, like... <laughs> like and I think a, a hip-hop artist should do that because they're so into collaborations of just, like, boom, like, Bad Boy Records, the fetish album. <laughs> and they just... Every, every rapper gets a song... And they About get their really into it. <laughs> I would buy that. I think that'd be a funny prank if they convinced <laughs> one rapper that everyone was doing it. They're like, Kanye's got a track. Yeah. <laughs> Big Boy and, and Andre 3000 are reuniting for a yes. track. And then there's like this one rapper's like, I'm on the, yeah. I'm on the album. This is my big break. Yeah. Yeah, but you've got to do a fetish song. <laughs> I love that. This is a strange song that it feels a little meta and it you can kind of i think hear some of rivers frustrations with just the music industry as a whole yeah, and a little bit. you have to uh mention the the green day lyric well that's yeah that's what yeah. i'm saying is like it's it, green day's broke at this point you know i asked you to go to the green day concert you said you never heard of them <laughs> it's just so uh, funny. which was really funny um but it's it's this interesting time where it just didn't seem to hit with the same way because you've kind of, at least in my mind in 96, you've got kind of three different segments of alternative rock that are going. You've got the Brit pop stuff that's going. You've got post grunge, just like Candlebox and Bush and just mm. whatever, just bands that are fine, but I don't think they have any real substance. And then there's this huge movement of like irony rock and like the butthole surfers are like huge. And I yeah. think this lyrically fits into that. But sonically is heavy. I totally understand why he picked this as the single. Yeah, I don't. I also understand why people didn't. It didn't sell people on the mm-hmm. record. But I totally understand his like decision making process with thinking this is funny. There's some silly lyrics in, it, and also we kind of like harmonize in like a weird. Uh, yeah. Again, I keep saying anthemic way in the nice, uh, and just in the. I'm alive no, it's a great like song. You. It really is, and, th- and this was the one that I had heard before. You know, I listened yeah. to it for the first time. I think it's it probably the most popular from it on this album for sure. Yeah, yeah. So that that was El Scorcho again. There's, it's just a strange song, and then after that, you head into Pink Triangle, and uh, <laughs> we'll talk about some straight white male stuff right oh after boy. this. triangle here's the thing i'm I'm gonna say i love this song i think this song is excellent um i think the good life's my favorite yeah i'll put across to see it number two cool this is my number three it's pretty good i think here's the thing so this song you know obviously the chorus i'm dumb she's a lesbian i thought i had found the one yeah i can see uh where uh, you know people would take issue with it and maybe rightfully so but i 
I think it's funny. I think it's a really funny song. Yeah, I think maybe the more problematic line, you would argue, is uh, everyone's a little... Queer, why can't you be a little straight? Yeah, maybe that's the only Which, one that now again, I'm like, uh, maybe take that out of the 90s pr- a little pr- bit. Yeah, probably wouldn't be jotted down on paper in 2019, yeah. but you know, for someone with a sick, twisted sense of humor <laughs> like myself... There's some good lines. Um, the Just the sort of like flip of... Um, uh, we were good as married in my mind, but married in my mind's yeah. no good. That's it's, awesome. It's really that doesn't even need to be. You could take the sexuality, yeah, stuff out of the song and just as a sort of lovelorn lyric. Yeah. That's awesome. Lyrically, I mean, it's really strong because because I like this song just because I think it's I think it's funny. Like I said earlier, there's just lines in here, you know, stuff like that. I think even the um, everyone's a little queer. Why can't you be a little straight? Yeah. I think that's really funny because I don't. Again, it's not like this weird conversion like urge that he's having. It's just like, oh man, like I thought I had found the one. Yeah, I think it's a. Fr- if people talk about this album, they say it's frustrated. And yes. this to me is oh, the very most much frustrated so. song on the very album. Very much he is so. Very frustrated in the song, which I don't necessarily know if incel. <laughs> <laughs> classic incel culture move calling out people of another sexuality well, i can't believe i'm just t- i'm being recorded yelling sl- incel into a microphone slandering someone i respect so much artistically no but it's like that's i mean that's what this is and yeah. i don't think the point of this show is ever going to be like, god i hope not is to judge art that was made 30 years ago and ask <laughs> if it holds up or not but i think with this album specifically it's it falls into a lot of gray areas or at least points of discussion to where I think a room full of even like-minded people socially and politically can sit here and listen to this and go, is that cool? Can he say that? Yeah. And it's just, I think it's a very interesting album in that regard. It really is. Yeah. It's, it's, it toes the line between sympathetic and problematic. Uh, Completely. Hey, that's kind of your brand. That's my brand? Sympathetic and problematic. I was telling somebody earlier today, I was like, I want... I want all of my jokes to be hated so much that they kind of have to love them. Sure. Which I think is roughly in this in the same regard. So we've got wow. two tracks left. Edgelord. Yeah. Oh, I'm a big Edgelord guy right here. Falling for you is track nine. Let's hear a little bit of this. This is good. That's uh, I I just said it to you off mic, and you told me to say it on mic. It's the most underrated song on the album. I it's really good, and it's one of I those love it. that I kind of have my songs in this album. I think Why Bother, Good Life, Pink Triangle. Those are kind of my main three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was uh, I was listening to it for this show. I was like, man, that track nine. Falling for you is so good. It's yeah. it's maybe my the one I am like the most unapologetic about, and just that I think it's flawless. It did. There's nothing. I wouldn't change a thing about it. So we've got nine songs, and I think up to this point, you know, tired of sex is a little strange. Maybe get you isn't great, yeah. but it's it's at the very least, it's like seven rock solid songs yeah. of just like yeah, like I'm in at this point. And even the first time I listened all the way through, I'm going like I can't believe 
how much I like this. It's really good. I can't wait to see how the album concludes. It is for sure a really special moment when Pinkerton finally just clicks for you. Yeah. Oh, like the yeah. first time I heard Pinkerton and I got it, I was like, this is so good. I, I, lo I love this. And then two minutes later, you kissed a girl. And, and you're went, like, hey, I like uh, good music now. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, that Blue album is pretty good. Also, by the way, uh, Rivers Cuomo says this is his proudest songwriting achievement, is Falling For You. Really? Falling For You and Beverly Hills were his answers. Uh, that is something is, to be evaluated at another time. Isn't that, that is so weird frightening. That, th that those two songs yeah. really is like, yes. So a song I maybe wouldn't be so proud of if I were him is Track 10. Yes. Is Butterfly. And we're going to hear it, and then... I'm wondering what your beef with Butterfly is. Uh, you just don't like it? I Well, let's hear a little okay, bit of okay. it first. Yesterday I went outside With my mama's messenger Caught a lovely butterfly When I woke up today Looked in on my fairy she had withered all away No more sighing in her breast I'm sorry for what I did I did what my body told me to I didn't mean to do your harm Yeah, so Butterfly is a bad song. Okay. I don't, I don't think it's the way the album should end. Uh, so I kind of agree. Yeah. I think it's a perfectly acceptable button to the album. Okay. Uh, thematically, it's it's a big artistic decision. To this day, it's their only acoustic song that's fully acoustic. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say on Songs for the Black Hole, they originally closed with a song called Long Time Sunshine yeah. on the original track. And uh, Long Time Sunshine pops up on the deluxe edition of the album. And it is... It ends with a uh, sort of like a medley of a few of the songs that would have been on songs for the black hole from the black hole. A couple of them ended up on Pinkerton, like Why Bother and stuff, but a couple of them didn't, so it wouldn't make sense for it to be the closer still. But having said that, it is such a better closer. So I think you agree with me in the sense that Butterfly maybe isn't the right one to close out this album. It's a little boring. I have a different take on what should close out the album. We're going to hear a little bit of that right now. So this is You Gave Your Love to Me Softly. This was a B-side on the El Scorcho yep. single. This, more than anything, is what convinced me to listen to Pinkerton all the way through. It's a great song. It's a great song. I heard there's a great punk band from Torrance, California, Joyce Manor. I heard them do a cover of this once. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? This is by Weezer? What yeah, is right? this? I know. And it's, if, that, if you're... Yeah. If you're like impression of Weezer it's is the blue album. It's the blue album in Beverly Hills. Yeah. And you hear like a punk band cover. You gave your love to me softly. Yeah, and I was, and it's like okay, it's sub two minutes. Joyce Manor's a band known for playing 
never songs more than three minutes. On yeah. the rarest exception, they have a song over three minutes. So it like fit their aesthetic, but I was like, God, I got to hear this Weezer version. And then you hear that, and it's so good. And I just wish the album was capped off with this because I think thematically it works a little bit better because we've spent an hour now talking about like how this album gives off like incel vibes and whatnot. <laughs> And it ends with kind of a happier song, which is funny because I think... Oh, wow. You think Butterfly's like a happy song? No, no, no. No, no. I think You Gave Your Love to Me softly oh, the happier you song. It yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is funny because it's arguably the most aggressive musically of yeah, the album. It really it's is. really intense. But it's it's a success story. Yeah, it, it is. Counts it's very for manic. And yeah. It's almost like the high after a, a real low low. And I think it's like one of those, again, just because I like to think of stuff... I like... I respect musicians that spend their time in the studio and really perfect their craft and want to yeah. make the perfect album. Ultimately, I'm someone that likes the live sound a little bit more, and, I, and I'd rather an okay album and a great live show than a great album and an okay live show. And I just hmm. think, like, man, this would this capping off every show, like, you should play an encore with two songs, and this should yeah. be the last song, and this should just end it. And I feel that way about the album, too, of just, like, God, like, if this was the last song on the album, I would immediately have to go back to track one. Yeah. I just wouldn't want enough. But, but when Butterfly comes along, and I think part of it is just that acoustic nature of it, but it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's like a it's like a sloppy song. I mean, it just doesn't. I don't think it works sonically for what the album was doing. I just don't really like anything about it. It's and a I'm big statement like, to have that be the the last song. I it, think. And, and artistically, I respect it, yeah. but critically, I'm not a fan. Okay, that's like a super fair take. Yeah, thank you. Fair and balanced, the case low way. <laughs> <laughs> so that's welcome Pinkerton. to the no spin zone. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's Pinkerton. Ten songs, forty one minutes. I think it's excellent. It really is. But I've got to know now. Yes. What's if we're gonna and we pray to our lords at Pitchfork every single night. <laughs> we go to the Pitchfork Temple and just pray and pray and pray that Ian Cohen is able to review more albums. Get Ian Cohen on this podcast. Yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm working. On, I'm sure he's got nothing better to do than come onto this show. Um, what's your Pitchfork rating on this? Because Pitchfork oh, wow. initially reviewed the album 7.5. Yes, that's kind of high actually for, for yeah, the reception given, it got. Yeah, exactly. Um, when the album was reissued in 2012, 10, 10, out of 10, 10 out of 10. And just like, no, like Pinkerton is the masterpiece. It's blue and Pinkerton. Yeah. It's blue and Pinkerton. It's blue and Pinkerton. What do you give this album? So I would give the blue album a 10 out of 10. Yeah. For sure. I think maybe the little criticism we had about Butterfly and also just the fact that there are a couple songs that maybe don't hold up perfectly okay yeah i think it prevents me from giving it a 10 out of 10 the way uh pitchfork did i think if if this was an album that i was hearing for the first time and let's throw context out the window and pretend it makes sense for this album to be coming out in 2019 yeah i think i'd give it like a 9.5 that's okay that's crazy that's what i'd give it to yeah but i thought you were a slam dunk 10 out of 10 this is a well, masterpiece I'm trying to go by, guy. I'm trying to go by pitchfork rules, and I just know they've only given one 10 out of 10 since uh, 2010. Yeah, and it wasn't Modern Baseball, You're Gonna Miss It All, which is messed up. Uh, it shouldn't have, an album shouldn't we, have An album that we will be discussing on the show actually very oh soon. Oh my god, I can't wait for you to talk by yourself in this room. No, about I'll tell you off mic who I've got on that show, because <laughs> I think it's going to really surprise you. Oh boy. But um, I would go 9.52 because... I think the ending is such a bummer. And I don't believe that a 10 out of 10 album 
has to be great songs top to bottom of like this is like I've got like on repeat yeah. like that's because it's not a greatest hits album. It's not, that's sure. not the point of it. Some albums though feel like oh, greatest completely. hits. Oh, albums. completely. But this is one of those where if it ends with "You Gave Your Love to Me Softly," ten out of ten. Oh, I probably I think if it ended with "Long Time Sunshine" or yeah. even "You Gave Your Love to Me Softly," yeah, 10 yeah, out ten out of ten. But the, and I don't hate Butterfly either, but it's just the it doesn't. I can say the Blue Album is ten great songs. Yeah. I can't say this is. 10 I think it's. I think it's nine. Songs. I think it's nine great songs, yeah. and I think it's one song that even if it was unspectacular, but. Uh, satisfying i would be okay with it but it's not and i'm left wanting more and so i, I and it's i, I think know, it's, it's kind of nice it's a 9.5 it's an all-time great album yeah I, I yeah agree. i think it's one of the best albums of the 90s yeah for, for sure. sure and um weezer is the best band of all time and rivers cuomo is the greatest songwriter of all time okay that will be cut in post-production <laughs> so i've got two more questions for you and then i'll let you go i know you're a busy man so first of all let's say You've got to recommend this album to somebody. You've got okay. you've, your your assignment is to recommend Pinkerton. What kind of person, other than incels, yeah. are you telling? Hey, hey, man, you got to check out Pinkerton. What kind of personality Pinkerton. traits are you looking for? I will say, I am a big Weezer fan, so I've recommended Weezer to people before, and several times people have t- told me they weren't into Pinkerton, and then maybe months later, even a couple times, a couple of years later, they'll go through like a breakup or just a really sad uh, isolated time i know like a lot of people when they a lot of friends i had when they first got to college they would text me and say i listened to pinkerton and yeah. it just made sense that was me last year <laughs> i probably sent you a text like that word for word yeah probably yeah I, I, i'm thinking of a couple other people too but yeah yeah so i i would just say i don't know if you're in a if you're in like a lonely down state put on pinkerton that's yeah. what it's for see what see what it does yeah so finally and i think i think your prior statement maybe answers the question but is pinkerton an art school album is if you're an oh. art school student do you need to hear pinkerton undeniably 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 even if it's not for you you should know what it is yeah you should know yeah absolutely uh, you would hate to be the fool at the party that <laughs> doesn't have a favorite pinkerton b-side could you imagine the Can embarrassment imagine? oh my god what a what a party foul um i'm a member of the weezer fan club i paid to be in it okay and um it's very embarrassing and also i kind of I, i'm gonna maybe leave because i don't think the community is cool <laughs> the, the weezer fan club <laughs> is not cool you're not allowed to swear in the <laughs> facebook group um but uh, <laughs> but i remember wearing a uh, weezer fan club shirt last year and so, and a friend of mine came up and i was like and i i referenced it i was like this is kind of embarrassing that i'm wearing this he goes no there's nothing wrong with wearing a weezer shirt and I was like, it's a Weezer fan club shirt. And he goes, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so on that note, Jake, you're not on social media. I'm not. Yet, which you brag about constantly. I don't ever brag about it. You, All you people bring it up to you me. You people. You people. Yeah. Okay. You social media, you all go, I swear to God, this is, hey, I'm going to get on my high horse for a second. Oh, yeah. Step I, on I that d- soapbox I don't quick. have social media. I never talk about it. And these people that are around me will go jake doesn't have social media and i go yeah that's true and they go he always talks about it i only talk about it because you guys bring it up so with that in mind do you have anything to plug yeah i have a youtube channel i don't uh update it very much but um i I have a youtube channel you can find it's just jake klingensmith look up jake klingensmith popcorn that's the most popular video it'll uh it'll be uh popping lots of hits on that one yeah, there's some uh, bona fide underground hits for sure. <laughs> a real Pinkerton of the YouTube community you are. <laughs> I'm trying to think about if I have anything else to plug. 
Not really. Um, I think that's it. You can follow us on Twitter at Art School Albums and on Instagram under the same name. Subscribe to the podcast, like it, rate it, review it. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me personally, you can uh, get at me on Twitter or Instagram. <laughs> get at me. Get at me. Yeah, you know, get at me. Uh, at <laughs> underscore Case Low, C-A-S-E-L-O-W-E. This has been the first episode of Art School Albums. Jake, thank you for coming on. It was my pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Until next time. We will see you and you will hear from me soon.